Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Welcome to the third episode in my sibling series of Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs. I'll be talking to each of my guests in the sibling series about a TED Talk that I watched recently from a woman who grew up as a sibling to a child with special needs. I encourage you all to pause now and go to the show notes to find the link and watch it. It discusses the term glass child, which is given to siblings because they often feel see-through with their siblings' needs always coming first. It's an extremely moving presentation. Today's guest is Marina Carlucci Goody. Marina grew up as the sibling to two brothers who had seizures and tragically both passed away. Growing up in the 60s, her parents didn't talk to her about any of it, and she was left to navigate her fear, grief, and guilt all by herself. Thank you for joining me in this raw conversation about what that was like and what her recommendations are to parents today. Let's get to it. Marina is joining us because she grew up as a sibling to actually two brothers who had special needs. So if you don't mind just starting there, telling us about your family that you grew up with and where you were in the birth order and who your siblings were. Sure. Um, I grew up in a family with two other brothers and I was in the middle. And when I was little, I don't think I realized that anything was really wrong um you know at the time let's say I was maybe like four or five and we moved to a new house and I really don't think I knew that anything was wrong and probably as more years went by then I started realizing that things were wrong and I could tell because of how my parents were acting and um, definitely the part about not paying as much attention to me because my older brother needed a lot of extra care. He was starting to have seizures like regularly and that led to a ton of doctor appointments and trying to find out what was wrong and at one point, 
he he had this day where I remember um, he fell in the kitchen and I'm not sure if it was due to a seizure or not, but when he fell, he fell like on one of the kitchen cupboards and it broke open his bottom eyelid. And I just remember that it was just terrible. So that was like one of those vivid memories that you can't right. go away from. So how much older was he than you? One year. What was his name? Michael. And then how old were you when your little brother was born? Um, I was two years older than him. His name was John. John. Okay, great. I think as a parent, I would have loved that. Having an older son, uh, then a girl, and then another boy. I think that would have been perfect. So your older brother is having seizures. And do you know, did he have anything else? Or was that kind of the start of his issues that was all that I knew because I when I was at that age this was in the 60s you know that we're talking about late 60s and things were so different back then for sure so the only things that I knew is what I saw with my eyes that that was it you know parents didn't talk to little kids about anything in the 60s really right right so when your little brother was born was he born with disabilities no he was as my parents would always say perfect how do you remember feeling if if at all anything or what or do you remember thinking anything I know you were pretty young when your brother started having seizures and started to go to doctor's appointments and all these things started happening, but you didn't really know any more than your small eyes could see. Do you remember how that felt or what that was like at all? Uh, I just know it was very scary and sad. Yeah. Oh. I can imagine that would be very scary, especially if you were to see. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And um, so I'm not really sure if there was ever a diagnosis or not, but I, at one point when he was nine and I was eight, he had to be admitted into the hospital. And the only thing I know or what I was told was that, or that I even remember is that he had pneumonia and he was in a coma oh, and that's all I knew. And then I knew that he didn't make it. Mm. And that, that was like so hard. And so that's when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you were only eight years old. Yeah. And yes. so look, looking back now, you know, as a grown woman with kids of your own, you know how little an eight-year-old is, right? Yes. Now we can look back and we can say, gosh, when we realize that when our thinking of our own kids when they were eight, yeah, so little, it is yeah. so little. But at the time, I know 
myself growing up at all different ages, even six, eight, 12, 15, I thought I was big. I know. Like I really did. And so when you were eight years old and your brother went to the hospital and he didn't come back, did your parents talk to you about that? No, I think when that happened, just everything went silent. Like my parents wouldn't talk to each other. They wouldn't Mm. talk to me. They wouldn't talk to anyone. And they just were so upset. And I totally get that. Like I get how bad that must have been. So I, you know, in a way I understand that. But this went on for a long time. It just seemed to never really change. So that's really what I remember of that time in my life. So what did you do with that? How did you process that yourself? Because you had to do it yourself, right? I mean, if they didn't yeah. talk about it, did you have mm-hmm. friends that you could even talk to? I mean, mm-hmm. even your other eight-year-olds, I mean... Did you, were you able to get that out in any way? No, not at all. I just, I know at one point I thought it was my fault too. I don't even understand why, but. That's what kids do. And now you know it was not in any way. No, not at all. Are your parents still alive? Um, just my dad. He's still, still here. Does he live near you? Well, at one point when my mom was sick, when she was in her 80s, I wanted to be able to help my dad take care of her. So the um, plan was to move them closer to us. We had another home on the same property and we were ready to you know, move them in so I could just be there. Because I was lucky enough to be able to you know, stay home with my kids and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately she didn't make it to be able to live there because she passed before that happened. Okay. So then it was just my dad who moved there. It's kind of difficult though because he considers me like all he has left and uh, it's just really hard because I have different ways of looking at how I feel about him there's some ways that I don't feel close to him but he wants to feel close to me because I think after all these years he probably realizes that he was never really there for me and I don't know if it's his way of wanting to make up for that without saying it and so how old is he now he's 92 okay um that's pretty darn old yeah and then as you mentioned earlier there was another brother and he ended up being sick as well and i think i was still in high school when i realized that you know he was definitely very sick and not well and my mom would have to take him to the doctors all the time 
but really though, I didn't know what was wrong with him either because my parents didn't really talk about it. And I don't think I really ever asked, but I know that he also had a problem with seizures, but he seemed to be progressing, well, not progressing, but progressing to decline. You know, it was just a slow decline of just all of his abilities, speech, walking, eating, just anything. Cool. And he, and he's two years younger than you. So he was in middle school or high school. <clears throat> yeah, he was, I believe, um, actually he may have been younger when, or I may have been younger when I realized that something was wrong. Okay. Because yeah, he did have seizures when it was definitely before middle school for him. Okay. And I do um, remember the very first time that that happened and my mom just totally, totally lost it because she knew what that meant that another one of her sons was sick. Right. And, you know, isn't it curious if they had some sort of genetic disease or something that they both shared in common? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think it was something genetic because was, I was older obviously when my turn came around to get married and have kids I wanted to be sure that you know if there was something I knew about ahead of time I would just really like to be knowledgeable on it and find out and so I did do that actually I did go to a genetic counselor and they said that I would have an 85 or more percent chance of having a healthy child and so to me that definitely was worth the chance yeah and so So, how many kids do you have now I have two I have a boy who I named after my first brother Michael so I have Michael and his middle name is Robert which is my other brother's middle name So he's basically named after both of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a daughter who is younger than him and I gave her my mom's middle name. So what's her name? May. That's my daughter's middle name. (laughs) So you have Michael and May. Mm -hmm. And how old are they? Uh, 27 and 26. Okay. At the time John passed away, what grade were you in or how old were you? Well, he was sick for a number of years um, before he passed away. He was 22 and I was 24. So he had been sick for quite a number of years longer than my first brother who died. So it was just such a slow, slow, slow progression of him getting worse and worse. Yeah. So then what was that like as you were that age versus when you were six, seven, eight years old? It was uh, very like a bunch of different things. Like there were times where I felt embarrassed and I hate to even say that, 
but it is one thing that I did feel and I bet you it is because I did not understand very well <clears throat> um yeah and, and then, you were a kid I mean yeah kids kids just want to fit in they just want to make friends and they don't want to be different and stand right. out and have attention drawn to them it's completely normal mm-hmm. yeah and not having any idea what's happening how could you feel anything else mm-hmm. yeah so yeah there was that and then as I did get older, like in my later teens and my earlier 20s, before he passed, then I feel like I started to understand things better and I wanted to do whatever I could to help. But really, there was nothing that I could do because, you know, it was just getting worse and yeah, there was nothing to be able to help. So then could you see a difference in your parents, especially I think as your mom, you know, as a mom Mm -hmm. losing your kids and you described, you know, that you remembered when you were little that that everything just went quiet and then you just stopped Mm -hmm. talking. Yeah, Um, everything was very, very strange and different because I do remember that Well, I think it may be a tradition. I don't know um, if it's just an Italian tradition, but when someone would die, the family would wear black and they just wouldn't talk. And I think it was kind of some sort of tradition Mm. thing because my mom wore black for as long as I knew and could remember until I guess maybe I don't know, just a very, very long number of years and was always very silent. So it was kind of like mourning and, mm-hmm. you know, just within herself. And I know that her and my dad, I, I think it really was um, something that <clears throat> made everything just troublesome and not good because yeah. they had like a very like, volatile relationship where if my dad would yell I know that it was coming from you know a place other than where it really should have been coming from so they did fight a lot and uh, that was also very you know hurtful to me even though I didn't understand it I would just be in my room and covering my ears and not wanting to hear it and just wishing it would stop so that was rough that was really rough yeah I think it was just their hurt Mm -hmm. coming out and I don't they didn't get any help either so yeah because it was the 60s right yeah so I just the only help that I ever remember was one time when the priest came to the house and I think it was just after my first brother died that was like the only time I ever knew that they got any sort of help and it wasn't like just one time yeah it wasn't like an ongoing thing yeah so so different now um yeah thankfully 
but I, but you know, in general, so different, but specifically, there are still definitely families and people who operate under those traditions and those cultural and ancestral ways. I mean, those kinds of things are still ingrained in us from our ancestors of how we view things, how we deal with things. And so I'm sure there are still a lot of people who don't get help and don't talk about it. And um, there's such a high rate of divorce anyway in special needs families because of the stress and the tension in the heart. But when you lose a child, let alone two, um, it might feel completely impossible to go forward um you know yeah. being an italian family and and back in the 60s divorce wasn't really an option i mean it yeah. just wasn't it just wasn't and so you know now maybe they would have been divorced or who knows you know or if they could have gotten help but yeah i mean i'm sure i would have encouraged it but by the time that I was old enough to even be able to breathe or think about help even for myself, it was so much later, you know, like, I don't think I really realized, I guess, the damage that was done until I had my own children. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I always wished that I had a different childhood because I always felt like I hated mine. So I knew that when I had kids, I wanted to give them the best childhood that I could think of. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, really what I did do. And so what uh, did you do differently with your kids? Just was always with them, just always loving them so much and telling them how much I love them. And being there for them as much as I could. And as I did mention earlier, that I was able to stay home with them while they were in school. So that was a really great gift that I had. You are a great mom. So I've talked to my listeners on the podcast about um, this definition of a glass child. And I know you and I have talked about it. And yes. that it's a term I've recently in the last year have learned it's a term uh, given to siblings of kids with special needs. Um, glass because they feel see-through or unseen. And I imagine that you very much can relate to that. Yes, <clears throat> I did definitely relate to that when you informed me about it and that it existed because I didn't know about it either. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that if the listeners feel like it, that they could learn more about it mm -hmm. because it was very helpful. So how has that experience shaped you as an adult besides how you parent your kids, which is humongous. I mean, that's a, that's, you know, one of our biggest roles in life, but how else do you think it has shaped you? I just know that I always really want to make people happy, you know, all the time. If I can ever help people, I just always want to do that. And 
I'm just always like really nice to anyone and everyone. I don't, you know, I don't want to be anything other than that. And I know that when I see anyone picking on someone who's possibly challenged or handicapped or anything, I definitely don't have a problem saying something about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I raise my kids not to ever, you know, look at someone differently or treat someone differently. And they really are good kids that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know all of that makes just a little difference, but <clears throat> if more people could do that and teach their kids, you know, it would be so much better. Yes, it very much matters how we teach our kids to interact with and treat people who are different from them. Yeah. That does change the world. So what would you say to parents right now who have young kids and uh, you know, a child with special needs and, and other kids? What would, would you say to them? How, how, you know, what would you tell me? How, how do we do it? How do we be better? Yeah. How do we care for our, our kids who don't have disabilities? Well, I do know that you already do do this, that you include your kids all together. It's not something where you know, it's always, you know, you go off and do this while I, you know, stay home. Because that did happen in my family where um, when my youngest brother wasn't sick, it would be the fact that I and or he and I would go somewhere with my dad and my mom was left home. And I know that I had to be just, I, I can't even explain words of how that must feel you know so I just think being all together and always including everyone and and really teaching your kids and explaining as much as you think that you can so that they understand things instead of thinking in their own mind what's possibly wrong and definitely getting it wrong because they are children. Mm -hmm. um, I know these days that counseling is so much more accepted and I would definitely suggest and recommend counseling. Uh, it's so important that everyone's on the same page with everything and to me, it makes me so happy when I see a family that has a special needs child plus other children that are healthy. When I see them all together and trying to do their best, that makes me so happy. It's hard. I know. And it's still, it's very, very common still that one parent and the special needs child gets left at home <laughs> because it's so hard. Our society isn't, still isn't really set up and accepting of 
the vast array of differences and needs that it and, and accommodations that it takes to go out and do things. And yeah, well, that needs to change. And hopefully this is gonna be part of the change because it definitely needs to be done. It's ridiculous and stupid in my opinion that it's looked over and passed by and not done anything about, you know, those things are so important because it's everywhere. It's not, you know, it's not a secret. It's, it's definitely happening, but yeah, more needs to be done. Yeah. Well, I concur and I'm with you on the ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question. What sure. would you say to other siblings right now who are growing up with, with a brother or a sister with mm. disabilities? Ask your parents questions. Ask them what you want to know so you can learn, you know, what it actually is. Because when you're informed on something, it's just so much easier to grasp than when you don't know. Don't be afraid to ask your parents. I'm sure if, if they would, your parents would tell you. They just might not think that you're ready or that you wanna know more, but if you ask them, they, they will tell you. I'm sure they will. And I'm mm -hmm. sure they would appreciate that you're asking. Well, I think that you are beautiful. You are such a beautiful soul that just shines through your pores out into the world and it's it's palpable for me when I get to talk to you and be around you even on social media um, I would love for you to share with everyone what you've got cooking there at your house <laughs> up your sleeve and down at your farm you're so sweet. Marina, Marina owns a special kind of a farm that she's been working on. Yes. And it's, it's exciting. And I want, <clears throat> I want you to share it. I want you to tell. What are you doing? That's so generous of you to share that. Um, yes, it is Goody Girl Flower Farm. And it came about because I lost my job last year. And I just knew that I'm older now and I know what I want and what I like and what I don't like and that my next job was going to be something that I love mm -hmm. and it's a flower farm <clears throat> yes yes oh it just gives me happy goosebumps all over my whole body just I envision it I see it I've, I've seen your actual barn and I can just see this the whole farm and field and flowers it's just yes. so exciting so I want to share that with everybody. Like I want to share this with children and families and I would love to include special needs families. Oh my gosh, there's no question. So oh, you could have amazing field trips. You could have like yes. even little work programs. I think you've seen that my daughter works on a farm, like a, an animal farm. Yes, but, yes. Um, feeding the animals and planting the plants. You could have a you know special thing set up where they come and they plant the flowers and they water them and they my daughter sprays this little powder stuff on them to keep the bugs off it seems but there's so many 
things that they could do. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought of that until you said yeah. it now. <laughs> I know. Sometimes just talking out loud brings ideas and it's mm-hmm. it's really true. And, and tell us where you live. Where where where's your flower farm? <laughs> I live in Pendleton, New York, and the flower farm is in Pendleton, New York as well. And I'm hoping to be able to open to the public this summer. Mm. And I'm I really can't wait. It's it's exciting <laughs> waiting to see what comes up from the earth that I put in there. And it's exciting. It's exciting. And I love watching the transformations on social media of the Thank barn you. and the <clears throat> structures and stuff that yes. you've got going on. It's just it's gorgeous. Yes. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And so if you live anywhere around Pendleton, New York this summer. You can check out Goody Girl Flower Farm. And guess I had to Marina. Yes, please do. And I will welcome you with open arms if we're allowed to. (laughs) Open arms from six feet away. Yes. (laughs) So I just want to sincerely and deeply thank you um, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable. I know that that it's hard and it's bringing up a lot of painful memories for you. Um, And, you know, the reason that I really wanted to do this series on siblings and and that I reached out to you and asked you to share is because of that whole notion of the glass child, because Mm -hmm. I know even in my own family, how hard my husband and I work to try to take care of each of our girls individually as people for who they are and how unbelievably hard that is. Yes. Um, and, and, and I see in those moments in real time when, you know, one of my little girls is trying to give me a hug or trying to tell me something and I have to literally like shove them out of the way to run, do something that has overcome Taylor, you know, in some tragic moment and and it's a knife in the heart it's just a knife in the heart when I can see in real time me literally you know putting them aside and shooting them away when they're trying to get attention and so just trying to bring to the forefront just really the conversation of um, acknowledging how hard it is for everyone acknowledging um, that the children are dealing with all the same things that the adults are dealing with oh yeah a loved one is having seizures. A loved one is in the hospital. A loved one is sick. Um, yes. But they don't know how to deal with it. They don't have the adult psyche and the adult, you know, maturity. Um, and so it's so critical to make sure they at least can understand as much as they can as to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to you too for doing this for everyone. It's just amazing. And I can't wait to see how far you take it and where you go and how many people you're going to help. I know you're going to. I just Thank know you, it. Friend. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you. Thank, Thank you. So you. You're so welcome. Thanks. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey, or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. 
and that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at larakits.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.